Wow, what a beautiful day it is for us to be here together today. And um, I know there's been a, a lot of things said, and, um, and some of you may not understand the purpose of focus for honor. And I won't take a, a lot of time saying this, but in the world that we're in today, it needs to be modeled in front of young people and everyone because we live in such a time of dishonor that uh, the Bible said, let those who are worthy of honor to honor them and to receive them. And um, I'm going to preach a message here in just a minute, I think. And it has, uh, I'm not going to preach about Rick Hawkins because I know Rick Hawkins well enough to know that what he loves is the Bible. And any pastor wants their, the people around them to be blessed but, um, but I was thinking about you guys this morning and have something hopefully that I want to uh, say to you. Believe in God for the Holy Spirit to help us. But I want to say God bless you, sir, for 40 years. God bless you for your life, for your integrity, for your resiliency, for your bounce back anointing, for, your, for just doing everything that God has given you to do. And so everyone has had a chance to uh, honor you. But this is going to be the last clap I'm, I'm, I'm going to give for him right now because I just want to hear it one time myself. Everybody, let's clap one time for Bishop Rick Hawkins. Thank God for his life. Thank God for your beautiful family. Let's just lift our hands. Just play, uh, put me an E flat on that organ over there or somewhere. And um, I'm not going to sing nothing. I just wanted to. I just wanted to be able to tell them what key to go to because it sounds like you're doing something, you know. That's what I'm saying right there. Don't start nothing. It won't be nothing. All right. But uh, just lift your hands right here. I'm going to pray that God will give you a mind to perceive and a heart to believe, that he would give us an ear to hear and a will to draw near, and that before we lift, leave up out of this place today, something all around you is getting ready to move. I don't know if you're aware of it. Something around you is moving. It's going to be close to impossible for you to leave this room the same way that you came into it. Uh, if you have demonic problems, uh, tell them to hide because we're confiscating every demon that we find. We're putting every unclean spirit on notice that this is holy ground and that something big is moving around you. I know you've said a lot today, but I want you to just touch about three people and tell them something is moving around you. Something is moving around you. Play that organ, three flats. Come on, tell somebody, something is moving around you. Something is moving around you. Hey, while you guys are standing, so maybe let's, let's while, while, we're, while, while we're here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read two verses of scripture to you and, uh, and see where we go with it, all right? And I have on my Sooners jacket. I just wanted to say that out loud so y'all could hear it. And, uh, and to thank God for the Sooners. Anyway, I, I, I always like to come to an area. So I, I pastor, my wife and I founded our church 37 years ago. And, um, and so uh, it's right there in Toledo, Ohio, which is like 15 minutes from the Michigan border. So if you know college football, you know that in Ohio, in the state of Ohio, that football is a religion. And, um, and, then, and then our church survives all kind of things, except for Ohio State, Michigan weekend. <laughs> because we have people that drive, you know, they just live 15 minutes away across the line. And they come to church, they have to come to church on that Sunday with a, with a big Michigan 
thing on there. And uh, one year, my, my brother, who was helping us to run some of the, the church-related businesses, I came to church on a Sunday morning one time, and I noticed that all of the porters and ushers, whatever, whatever terminology, uh, all had roses on. And so I told my, I, I said, did, did we have like a wedding or a funeral or something? Nobody told, all the ushers are having on roses. My brother told me, he said, uh, he said, that's for all the Michigan people. We're going to the Rose Bowl this year. And so that's what they did. Anyway, so I'm, I'm uh, in solidarity with the Sooners T today. I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say that so that you all know how to receive me. All right. All right, let, let me... Uh, let me get to these scriptures because I am on an assignment, I feel like today. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, reads something like this. Uh, and they continued. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And I'm just going to stop that scripture right there. I know the, the rest of it. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Let me, let me put that, if I can, with the, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 8. Uh, John chapter 8 says that um, Jesus uh, said unto them who believed, somebody say who believed, um, that if you continue, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, <laughs> the truth shall make you free. All right, before you sit down, last time, tell somebody, I'm glad you're free. Can I say it the way I want to say it? The, the way I want to say it is, is, is like this. I, I, I want to say out loud, I can't. But we can. That's what I want to say. Somebody say, I can't. But we can. Put your hand on somebody. Are you allowed to touch people in Oklahoma? I don't even know where I'm at. Sometimes you don't know if people are allowed to touch somebody. <laughs> but just put your hand on somebody. Touch somebody. Tell somebody, I can't. But we can. One time, put your hands together and give God some praise. Thank you right there. All right, everybody be seated. Thank you, guys. That's good. Thanks. Um, you and I are living in some very uh, critical moments, very critical days, uh, very interesting times, and I believe that part of the reason that it's so, uh, so interesting and pregnant with possibilities is because what we do during these times is going to have repercussions for generations to come, because these times are, are for real times. They're for real times. And uh, it, it seems to me that Christians, uh, believers, churches are having a, a little bit of a tough time finding their footing in the ever-shifting environments that we find ourselves in. And because we live in a world that moves the, the markers and the landmarks and the things that are important. Uh, we, we live in a culture that has uh, schizophrenic tendencies as it relates to what we are supposed to believe and how we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to do. And I say some of this because I'm a little concerned with uh, the way that we treat each other. 
And I think when we don't know properly how to treat each other, then we uh, pr produce an environment that makes it conducive for folks to be ugly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting off slow because what you may not know is after all these years of, of preaching, I still get a little nervous when I get up and it takes me a minute to get going because I'm, because I'm checking y'all out to see. I'm trying to figure out which, which direction I need to look when I'm preaching and, and, uh, and I'm trying to locate my security and, and, and figure out who's watching out for me. I'm just, I'm just kind of checking you out for a minute. But, but, uh, but if, we, if we don't know how to treat each other, we produce an environment. My grandmother used to say, maybe some of you have heard it, she would say, God don't like ugly. And it's amazing to me how Christian people, please, Christian, how Christian people can, uh, can say things and do things that are ugly. And we don't know which one of you we're dealing with. I don't know whether I'm dealing with the person I'm looking at or your Facebook posts because... <laughs> Because sometimes sometime you say some ugly stuff on anti-social media and, and you, you say ugly things on there. Then you come to church and put your hands up and dance around like you got the Holy Ghost. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that, that we live in an unusual environment. We live in an unusual environment because we don't, we don't really know how to really match some of these scriptures up. Because it's very difficult to convey uh, a faith that took some of us a long time to get and to convey that to an instant generation. Uh, when, when I sit next to this bishop then and, and, and looking at the pictures and the videos, and, and I will say to you, by the way, you, you, you look better than you did. I just, you know... How many are glad we didn't put your old, older pictures up there, you know? And when my wife and I started the church, somebody had put some pictures up, and, and we look younger now than we did then because we were, we were so severely saved. You know, we were so severely saved that my wife looked like she came off of a Quaker Oats box, and, and, and I didn't own a pair of jeans when we started our church. I wore a suit every day. In a, I had a storefront church with 100 members, no offices, and put on a suit every day just to go nowhere. But when, but when, I, when I sit and, and think about the journeys and think about uh, and see the pictures, it, it reminds me that, that, that somebody needs to know that it takes something. Ugh. It, it, it takes something. And it doesn't come easily, and it doesn't come cheaply. And so now uh, we, we, have, we have an emerging generation of people that sometimes want something to be given to them instantly, not understanding that it took a little something to get there. And if you can value the journey and understand that it didn't come easily, then we can convey that. But we're, we're at these crossroads. Please, let me preach to you. We're, we're at these crossroads in our nation, in the world, really, in the crossroads in our church because we have an emerging generation of people that have to understand that for us to convey what took years to get down into our spirit, that there has to be some preaching that is done to you that is not just supposed to make you happy and skip and jump every Sunday. 
I know, I know, I know because, uh, because for, for us to have what we need to have, what we, for, for us to have that, we have to have a resurgence of the power church. We, we, we got to have more than cute messages. We, we, we got to be able to deal with some principalities and powers. We, we, have, we, we live in a time when I want to go to a church where if I bring a relative there that is struggling with opioid addiction, that you're not just going to send them down to the rehab, but somebody's going to put a hand on them and say, you foul, unclean spirit, get up and get out of there. And... And, and so if you don't understand the kingdom culture, you're not going to have to know how to roll with us. You don't know how to roll with us because, because part of the kingdom culture is, is a culture of praise. If, if you don't understand that, you think we sing because we're happy. We, we're not always happy. We're not always happy. I said we're not always happy. Don't make me point you out. I can see you. You're not happy. I see you. You're not happy. You ain't been happy for years. But, but you... But, but if, if you still have a praise, even after having been through a bunch of things, then you should consider yourself blessed because the enemy may have upset your world, turned stuff upside down, took some stuff from you temporarily, but he never got your praise. And somebody should tell you that the devil's really not after your car and he's not after your stuff and he's not after your property. The only reason the devil messes with that is because he knows that your praise is attached to your stuff. And if he messes with your stuff, then you lose your praise. But if you ever come to the place to let the devil know if I can praise him in a nice ride, I can praise him on a skateboard. I can praise him if I got something, if I don't have nothing. Once you get it settled, it's part of our culture. We sing at funerals. We sing at weddings. We sing in good days and bad. It's part of our culture. It's, it's culture of praise. I didn't come here to preach on praise, but I just wanted to tell you that it's part of our culture. It's part of our culture. We have, we have, a, we have a faith culture uh, because God's greatest desire is to be believed. So he gives to us this thing called faith so that it causes us to live comfortably in the space of the things that we can't figure out. And I'm not one of these people that's running around trying to believe. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm not trying to believe. I'm not hoping to believe. You should, you should not confuse my faith with, with, with being in a good mood. It's not that I'm in a good mood. It's that I, I'm a believer. I believe. I believe. My faith is not looking for evidence. My faith is itself the evidence. The fact that I have faith tells me there is a God. Because if, I didn't, if it wasn't a God, I wouldn't have faith. I ain't look, my faith is not looking for a foundation. My faith is my foundation. And anyway, anyway, I'm a believer. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm non-apologetic about that. I'm a believer. And God so desires to be believed, he makes special promises to people who believe. All things are possible to those who believe. I'm going to say it again. All things are possible to those who believe. I, I say this because to come to this place of faith, then we, we, we kind of have to work with that because we live in a, in a time when people have what I call abstract faith. Yes, yes. Abstract faith is this faith that uh, has no perimeters. It has no definition. It has no targets. It's just, it's just faith. 
in a higher power in the universe in mother nature in rivers and they have an abstract faith and they're just out here praying thinking that someplace somewhere over the rainbow something is out there and then people they, they start with this abstract faith and they and they like to pretend like they're a person of faith and sometimes even the the the, to say that somebody is a person of faith has lost its definition because you just out there carrying crystals around and got saints glued to the dashboard of your car and you got a little lucky rabbit's foot. If it was lucky, the rabbit would still have it. But, but you got little crystals and all kind of little, what if, all this kind of little mysticism and s superstition. You just, ab just it's abstract faith. But somewhere, if there's faith that is in you and it's misdirected, it will move into an orthodox faith. And orthodox faith then begins to bring definition to my faith and begins to give it some foundation and some structure. That my faith is not just free-floating out here in the ether, but it is tethered and anchored into principles and into a God who lives. I'm going somewhere with this. And, uh, and, and, and so then after, after we have an orthodox faith, then as we begin to come together into this thing that we call the church, then a lot of times have you not found out that we participate in things that takes us a while to understand what we're participating in. Because faith does not move at the speed of understanding. Uh, because, I, because a lot of things I experience takes me years to understand what I'm experiencing. And so now that we become orthodox, we become a part of the church and we're part of the believers. We're part of the body of Christ. We're part of the army of God. We're part of all of these things. And so then what we're doing is we are learning to grow in our faith. And so now we're a participatory person of faith. That means we participate. We participate. Uh, we, 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 go to, we go to church and we, and we sing. And, and we do a lot of things in each of our churches and groups that only make sense to the people who are in our church it don't make sense to anybody else but that's our thing that's how we do it and so when you've been around church for a while you know when to stand up when to sit down when to clap when to spin around when to touch your neighbor slap your neighbor tell somebody you know how to do all that because you've been around for a while but when your faith is moving when your faith is moving for a while you're living off of the faith of the church because they tell us to do things and we don't know why we do it but it's okay with us, so we just do it. So, so my faith is founded, and I go to church, and they say, it's time to stand up. I'm, I'm good with that, okay. So I stand up. I don't know why I'm standing, but I stand up. Then they say, sit down. So I sit down. And they, they, they say, clap your hands. Now, I'm good with that. So I clap my hands. I don't know why I'm clapping. Did somebody win something? Did did something happen? I don't know why. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. You know, and then they tell me I should be baptized. I don't really know. Most of you would, would be able to testify. If you get baptized quickly after your salvation, you don't truly have the revelation of baptism at the moment that you're baptized. It takes you a while to figure out what, you don't know all, all this stuff about being, you know, born and, and the, 
coming through the water and all, you, you don't even know all those scriptures. They told you to be baptized and you think like, I've been wet before. This ain't going to bother nothing. And so they put you in the water and so now you're baptized. Am I right about it? And, and so then they, then they start telling me that I should give something. I should give something. And I don't see anything really wrong with that because don't, nobody likes stingy people. And, and if I'm a part of something, I should contribute to it and all of those kind of things. So I don't see nothing wrong with that. So, you know, I put a little something in there. And then they threw me for a curve because then they start talking about 10, 10%. And I'm like, what is, what is, what do you, 10%? What are you, you talking about 10%? 10% of what? 10% of your income. What are you talking about 10% of my, you know, but, you know, I got, but I started giving before I understood. Oh, it took me, it took me a while. <clears throat> to be able to go back over my life and understand the revelation of communion. To understand the revelation of baptism. To understand the revelation of tithing. To understand the revelation of worship. But I did it just to get along. I'm, I'm going. So, but, but somewhere there comes a shift. Here we go now. Somewhere there comes a shift where I, my faith is not abstract. And it's not just found in orthodoxy. And I'm not living off of the instruction of the church. Sooner or later that faith moves into a personal faith. Oh, and the personal faith that is in me means I don't need your encouragement to do what I'm supposed to do. I don't need your instruction to stir me up. I don't need you to cheerlead me. I don't need you. To, if you don't tell me to clap, because now I have come to the revelation that clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I, I used to do it because you told me to do it. Now I do it because I got it for myself. And I know when I go to clapping, demons go to scattering. I know that when I clap, something starts moving around me. I know that God has been good to me, and if I can clap for the Sooners, I can clap for a God who has brought me from a mighty long way. Come on, let's give it a go right here. Everybody, I'm just saying, I used to come to, see, I used to come to church because you told me to come to church because I was living off of the faith of the church. I was living based on what other people told me to do. So I came to church because you told me I was supposed to come to church. But then, then I got an understanding. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So now I don't need you to send no elders and deacons to come find out why I'm not at church because I'm going to be there. If I got to get up and leave you sitting on the couch, I'm going to get up and go to church because I didn't come here because somebody told me to come I came here because now my faith is personal now my faith is real now my faith I'm going to throw some money in the altar because I come too far because I've already realized that if I sow it I'm going to grow it and I don't need you to show me a graph and a chart you ain't got to give me sand from the holy land or put a prayer cloth on my head because I got a seed to sow because I no longer need somebody else to make it compulsory for me to do what is already moving on the inside of me. That's a, that's a long way of saying my faith is personal. The only way for faith to be transferred is for it to be a personal faith. You cannot transfer an abstract faith. For us to be able to put into the hearts of our communities and an emerging generation, we have to transfer to them a personal faith. Uh, faith is subjective. 
Truth is objective. So it's true whether you like it or not. Truth is not consensus. Truth ain't what you want it to be. Truth is objective. Faith is subjective. Which means faith is real to the people that have it. You can't see my faith, but I don't have to prove to you my faith. My faith is real to me. And so then, therefore, that faith is able to be conveyed. I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to work this out because, because we, have a, we have a hard time because we don't understand what Jesus meant when he said things. Because when you, when you live on the faith of the church, you, they, they teach you what the Bible says. They don't teach you what Jesus meant. Some of the meanest people you will ever find are people that can tell you what the Bible says. But they don't know what Jesus meant. So, so he says, he says you got to continue. you got to continue in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You're not abstract. You're not floating out here. You, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not like a cloud somewhere. You are my disciples if you continue in my word, which means you have to understand what that means. So then when he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I thought maybe we should talk about that word free. And because because if, you, if you define it improperly... Then you, you're going you're gonna, to, because if you don't know what Jesus meant, you're going to attach your definition to his words and you're going to be off track. So you have to continue in the doctrine. You have to continue in his word. Freedom. When, when, when Jesus is talking about freedom to those who were in the New Testament, it would have been the Greek minds. The Greek minds uh, defined freedom as harmonic convergence, that, uh, that one would be at peace with their environment and that they would move from the polos into the cosmos and the pneumos and, and all of a sudden they would, they would, now if I could be at peace and be uh, at one with my environment, then that would cause me to be free. I don't really want to dive into that, but easy enough to say that I don't think that Jesus called me to be at peace with an environment that is hostile to my faith. He called me to overcome, overcome the world. So, 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 so I have to dismiss that particular definition because they don't, they don't know what it means. They don't know what it means. They know what he said. They just don't know what he means. And then when Karl Marx wrote his great economic piece, uh, he called it uh, historic necessity. That if you could bring to the table what history required of you at any given moment, rather than doing your thing, and, and then that would cause you to be free. I don't have time. I'm just going to dismiss Karl Marx's hand there. Thank you very much for the 12 of you that care about that. And, um, <laughs> and then here in the western part of the world, we have, we have a definition of freedom. Freedom. We have a definition of freedom. I feel you trying to preach your own message, but this is my message. I'm going to preach it. And so, so we define freedom um, as self-determination. Self -de it means that if I am free, then I have the right to dispose of my life and my goods as I see fit without your interference. Because I'm free. I'm free. 
That means I do what I want, when I want, how I want. You ain't the boss of me. And so I'm free. Yes, I am free. Free people are hard to pastor. Because they're very free. They're very free. Yeah. Y'all ain't going to love me. But, but, uh, but, but freedom then in, 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 our, in our Western mind says that, uh, that I should be able to do what I want without considering anybody else. And I don't think that the freedom that Jesus meant was that I should be able to do what I want at the expense of other people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I said, I said doctrine and fellowship. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm coming your way. See, because what we produce is this rugged individualism. Yes, yes. Uh, see all of our San Antonio people down here in the front. You come from a state that only has one star on the flag. I just thought I'd give you a little something to take home. I, I, I came here to deal with something. I came here to deal with something because we have this rugged individualism to the point that it causes us to treat people who are struggling roughly. Because, see, now rugged individualism says it's all about me. And that language creeps into our church. It creeps into our church because it's all about me. I didn't get with the praise and worship because they didn't sing my favorite song. Mm -hmm. It ain't about you. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we, we, this language gets in because we say things to each other, if, if you'll allow me just to kind of split the hairs on it. We say things to each other like, if you didn't come to praise him, don't hinder me. Y'all don't even know, you can't even say, man, you're so scared where I'm going. You're like, I saw a lady just elbow her husband. Don't say, man, you don't know where he's taking us yet. So we, we, get, we get concerned because it's about me. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Oh, we, we, we start talking like this. We start talking like this. And so therefore, if you're going through something, I say, you can get yours the same way I got mine. You wouldn't be going through that if you had some faith. And so now we start treating each other harshly because, because our definition of freedom is rugged individualism. And wherever you have the exaltation of self, you have to have aggrandizement. And wherever you have aggrandizement, then you have rudeness. And wherever you have rudeness, then you have insult. Wherever you have insult, you have injury. Wherever you have injury, then you have offense. Wherever you have offense, you have division. And wherever you have division, you have limitation. And we wonder why we can't shake our cities. We wonder why we can't change our generation. Because you came up in here in a crowd, but you're still thinking about yourself. Oh. Could it be, I think it is, could it be that the freedom that Jesus was talking about was that he came to set you free from yourself? Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. 
that if you could ever get free from your own ego, if you could ever get free from your own agenda, if you could ever get free enough, then we could do anything that we wanted to do because it doesn't have to be my way because I'm free. 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 The, uh, the, I like the way the Apostle Paul said it. The Apostle Paul uh, said to a church that he had never been to, that he had never laid eyes on. He wrote to them and said, I long to come to you that I may impart unto you a spiritual gift. And Paul is so free, he didn't care how he was treated and he tells them I'm on my way to you I might get shipwrecked but I'm coming anyway I might get imprisoned but I'm coming anyway they may not put any flowers in my room they may not give me lukewarm water I may be talked about and ostracized but I'm so free and so delivered from myself that my assignment is to make sure that you get what God has for you because I'm free. Somebody shout, I'm free. I know, I know. I know you're wrestling with it because I know you're wrestling with it because, we, because we're so free. We're so free. We're so free. We're so free in our own definition until you're so free we can't use you. God has given you gifts and talents that belong for the building up together of the people of God. Um, but, but, and you got those gifts and talents, but, but, but we can't use you because you're so free in your own definition, you don't know how to truly be free. And so so I, I noticed today, uh, it, it might be so that, that people on the platform today were wearing black. Did y'all notice? Yeah. And so somewhere a memo or something went out. Somebody, you know, or email, whatever it is. And so whoever is in charge of that says uh, on Sunday, everybody's going to wear black. Now, there are people looking at me right now that could be on this team. You could play, sing, do sign language, something. But... Ain't nobody going to tell you what to wear. Because you're too free. And, uh, and they put out a little memo that says, we're going to wear black on Sunday. And you'd be like, God ain't told me to wear black. God said, I look good in red. Everybody else going to wear black. And you're going to come out here in red. So though you have gifts and talents, you can't contribute to the building up of the body because you're not free from yourself. So they say, if you're going to be a porter in the house of God, we need you to be here at this time, or we're going to have this rehearsal, or we're going to have this and that, or whatever it may be. And as soon as, as someone touches the fact that it may not be totally about you, you go back into the captivity of your own attitude. And be like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I know exactly where I'm at. I know Oklahoma. 
I know where I'm at. And we be like, you put your pants on the same way I put my pants on. And if an anointing came by putting your pants on, you'd be okay. But that's not how the anointing works. How many are still glad that you came to church today? Uh, I don't know what time we're supposed to get out, but I'm going to get out when I get done. And I, I, I'm, close, I'm closer to being there than you know. I'm closer to being there you know, because, because I find out that, that we have a lot of needs that go unmet because we can't get free from ourselves. We've got all kinds of kids uh, that, that need to be ministered to and to be helped and to, and to be encouraged and, and all of these kind of things. And we have, we have some of you that, that, that have had successful uh, years of raising children and, 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 and all of the d d gifts and talents and abilities you could bring to it. But, but, you, but you can't miss a service. I, I can't be back there teaching kids because I came for my blessing. Even if you, even we just need you to do it once every six weeks. I mean, God knows you, you miss plenty of services anyway. But once you get up in here, you know, because, because you're not free. You're not free. I feel you're getting tight. I'm going to give you a minute to breathe in a second. I feel you're getting tight. I just don't want you quoting the scripture that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Unless you understand that if you continue in his word, then you are his disciples indeed. And part of the way that we execute our discipleship is trying to get over stuff. The longer that you live, the fewer things you're going to find out are worth fighting about. And uh, fewer things uh, that you're going to allow to trip you up. When you get free from yourself, you don't have to have a special seat. We ain't got to put your picture up in the hallway. Ain't nobody got to put your name on an envelope. We ain't got to do any of that kind of stuff because when you get free, I will put my praise on sitting in the back row or in the parking lot because I will step over top of your attitude, walk all the way around you trying to offend me because I'm not here for me. I came here to give God some praise. We're going to take about 30 seconds right here. I need everybody to jump up one time. Come on. Put some kind of praise in your mouth. Tell somebody I'm free. You may not treat me right, but I'm free anyway. You may not recognize me. I'm free anyway because what God gave me to do is too big for me to allow you to trip me up. Ah, because it took me a while to get here. And I didn't get here by myself. But I got here because somebody knew how to help me get free. He that the sun sets free is free in deed. All right, that's the break. That's halftime. Sit down. Did y'all think it was time to go home? Well, I'm almost there. I'm, 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 I'm trying to get around to this, this, this word because it's not a long, I'm just going to drop it on you. Because I became aware uh, that something is shifting over this territory. I just had to get you ready for it. Because something is shifting over this territory. Just because you haven't been around for a while didn't mean that we're not shifting. Yeah. And, and when things start shifting, 
you have to realize that the only reason that you might would think that we couldn't shift without your approval is the fact that you're not free enough from yourself to think that you could actually stop God from doing what God's going to do. I came by to tell somebody it's already shifting. Push somebody. Come on. Get involved in it. Push somebody and tell them it's already shifting. And so, um, the, the kingdom of heaven is like, a, is like a man that hid a treasure in a field. And for the joy of the treasure, he bought the whole field. Everybody has a treasure. And everybody has a field. So a field uh, is, is a living system. So when a seed goes into the field, the seed does not deposit anything into the field. The field contains everything, all the nutrients that the seed needs to multiply. So when the seed goes into the ground, most of its first growth is not visible. It's growing underground, reaching out into that system, and pulling out of that system everything that it needs to produce a harvest. Somebody say, I hear you. A field is also um, a scholastic term. Uh, it's a vocational term. So you have an educational field. You're in the field of education. You have a medical field. You have a scientific field. It's a term. A field is also a physics term. You have uh, gravitational fields. You have uh, magnetic fields and force fields. and You have fields, which is an unseen thing that has the power to move something. The, the way that a field works is when the dominant thing in a field shifts, watch me, when the dominant thing in a field shifts, everything else in that field has to adjust to the shift. If you change the polarity on an electrical system, everything else has to move to adjust to the new voltage. You, you, miss, you just missed that. You just missed that. So... When you make a shift in your life, you don't have to announce it. You don't have to get anybody's agreement on it. All you have to do is shift. And when you shift, everything connected to you has to shift with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And th there's a woman, there's a woman in the Bible had an issue of blood for all these years, all these, all these years. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's a story that could take some time to preach, but, but, but the, the point is this woman had an issue of blood, and if you read the, the, the scripture properly, Jesus is not moving in her direction. He's actually walking away from her, surrounded by a crowd of people, and every, watch, everything is moving away from her. But though she had something for 12 years, been all that she had, not got any better but worse, Somewhere, she shifted. She shifted with these things. She said within herself. Didn't nobody else hear it. 
She didn't tell the crowd, here I come. She shifted in herself. If I can get to Jesus, I will be made whole. And though he's going in another direction and surrounded by people who are stronger than me, not as sick as me, not as weak as me, the moment that she made a shift, everything had to start changing. So it didn't just open up like the Red Sea, but she comes in from behind. And when she comes in from behind, there's a little opening, and she slides in there. And when she slides in there, then the next opening happens. And she slides in there, and then she sees a little gap over here, and she gets down over here, because once you make a shift everything around you has to start lining up to the thing that you said to yourself I need somebody to clap your hands say yes say yes say yes say yes I'm just trying to get you to shift a little bit I'm just trying to get you to shift a little bit you came in here in neutral but you're getting ready to shift into another gear I'm also, I'm so, so this, this, this is important to me. This is important to me. Because, see, what I begin to see, what I begin to see, Bishop, is that you have already shifted. It does not matter to me if you say amen. You just have to adjust to it. Because, see, when you shift... When you shift, there are people that say, well, Bishop, you didn't used to do it that way, but I'm shifting anyway. Bishop, you seem like you're preaching like you did when you was a young man. That's because I'm shifting anyway. Bishop, it seemed like this is moving. We used to always do it this way. Oh, but we're shifting. We're shifting because I heard a word that we're about ready to take the limitation off of this territory. And the heavens are about to open. And miracles are coming back to the house. Salvation is coming back to the house. So, so there's, there's a man, there's a man in the Bible who is paralyzed, paralyzed man. And he hears, Mark chapter 2 is where I'm at now, and he hears that Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, he's hearing all of these stories. But just because he can hear it doesn't mean he can get to it. He can't get to it because he's paralyzed. He can see testimonies. He can hear testimonies, but he can't get there. It's a terrible thing to know that God is doing something and not be able to get there. And so he's paralyzed. And so he's paralyzed. So he has four friends. He has four friends. And the four friends side they gonna get together because he done made a shift he done heard that Jesus was in the house and when he heard Jesus was in the house he shifted and when he shifted the people connected to him got involved in his miracle and they came and they said we're gonna carry you there and I'm, I'm, I'm really on my last point right here and right now I'm on my last point but what I need you to know is to take a moment and we ought to thank God for the people who have carried us when we couldn't get through ourselves because ever so often so Somebody has had to pick you up and carry you. Pray for you when you couldn't pray for yourself. You're going to have to carry somebody sometime. You just have to be free enough from yourself to carry somebody. And it's a picture to me. 
The paralyzed man carried by four people to me is a picture of paralyzed humanity being carried by four gospels to where Jesus is at. And so, so the, they get there, they get this man, this is my, this is my picture for you, you get this, this paralyzed community. I said a paralyzed community. I said a paralyzed community. We, 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 we're getting ready to, to lift this thing. And God is getting ready to do something. We just need you to continue not only in the doctrine but also in fellowship. And you can't have fellowship if you're not free enough from yourself to realize it ain't your ship. You just want the fellows. And so now the four guys pick one. Matthew comes along. Here we go. Matthew picks up one corner. Matthew's gospel is very important to us because Matthew wants you to know that Jesus is a king. Uh, but he's not an illegitimate king, that he came down through the right bloodline. So that's how Matthew starts his writings off. This is the genealogy. These are the generations of Jesus Christ, the, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he starts walking down through the generations. And from Abraham unto David are 14 generations. From, from David to the carrying away unto Babylon is 14 generations. From the carrying away of Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. And he walks through 42 different generations to let you know he is a legitimate king king. Uh, but Matthew can't carry it by himself so along comes Mark and Mark picks up one and Mark starts telling you that Jesus is also a servant. Every chapter except for about five in the gospel of Mark has a miracle attached to it. Jesus is going about and he's also serving everybody. And then comes along Luke and Luke picks up another one. And Luke man, Luke is the guy that begins to put everything into chronological order. Luke comes with the, with the, the skill set of a doctor and the heart of a family physician and he begins to write down through there and he puts in things that are not in anybody else's gospel uh, he puts in there because the, the good Samaritan is only in Luke's gospel uh, the lost coin is only in Luke's gospel, the lost sheep is only in Luke's gospel uh, the prodigal son is only in Luke's gospel because Luke wants you to know that he came to seek and to save that which was lost and then comes along brother John, come on brother John pick it up and John says I know that you know Genesis and Genesis starts in the beginning. But I'm going to take you to a beginning before that beginning. Because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And John walks you through seven distinct signs in the first 13 chapters to let you know that there's a new created order. Jesus came to undo and outdo everything Adam ever did and to get your mind out of the mentality so that you understand and stop building your life on what Adam did to you rather than what Jesus did for you. And the four of them carry him to the place. And when they got there, when they got there, they couldn't get in because there was no room. And the, everybody was standing outside the door. I'm glad that his friends were not Pharisees, yes. Because Pharisees would have said, it must not be your season. Uh, maybe God don't want, if God wanted you in there, he'd have made a way for you to get in there. And I don't know, I'm gonna take a little bit of liberty with the scripture, I don't know. But it seems to me like somebody might have said, we done carried you all this way, I'm too tired to carry you back home. Uh, we gonna have to make a way where there is no way, cause I didn't drag you all the way here to have to turn around and carry you back I don't know who it was but somebody somebody had to say out loud ain't nobody on the roof 
Ain't nobody on the roof. So now the four of them grab him and they go into the roof. That's another place right there. They go into the roof. <laughs> and uh, it, it provoked a question in my mind that went like this. How do four men carry one guy on a stretcher to the roof without losing him? Answer. They all got to ascend together. Because if my goal is to be the first one up, I'm going to drop him out the back. If I got to get to the roof before you get there, then he's going to slide over. So I have to become free enough and mature enough and committed to fellowship enough to say I would get there faster without you, but I'm too committed to this thing to get there by myself. So we're going to have to do this thing together because I can't, but we can I can't, but we can. I can see where we need to go, but I can't do it by myself. I got to have some help, and you got to get in with me, so. So if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, we got to ascend together. What? Four guys. Man in the cot, whatever that is. And they say, okay, here's how we're going to do this. We got to keep this thing level. Because if I go up first, he's going to slide out. Paralyzes one thing, dead is another. I did not come here to, to carry a corpse home. And so we're going to go up together. Going to go up together. So uh, on the count of three, we're going up. One step at a time. Going to go up together. I'm belaboring the point because you, you're looking partly cloudy. But because, because, you know, when you try to organize church folk to do something, you say, we're going to go up on three. Somebody's going to be, well, does that mean like we move on three? Is it going to be three and up? Is this going to be a fast three or a slow three? What kind of three are we doing? And, and, and we ain't got time to put, you know, the three T-shirts together for you. you know, I'm, I'm part of the three group. We ain't got time for all that. We ain't got to, we, no, we ain't got time. We ain't got to, we ain't got time to write a song. Three. We're just going up on three. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say one, two, three, and boom. That's when you do it. They get it all organized. And they pick him up. One, two, three, and I like that. We got a long way to go. And uh, next step, one. Two, three. One. You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? I'm going to the roof. I'm going to the roof, baby. One, two, three, and. And they realized that when they got up together, when they got up there together, they went to tearing a hole in that roof. This was the word that I had. This is the word that I had. The word that I had was that you have already shifted. Therefore, something is already moving. And the shifting is going to involve us going up together in doctrine and fellowship. And when we go up together, we about ready to take the limit off that's been over this territory. And we about ready to rip a hole in the atmosphere and let 
God know that something is about If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to act like it. I'm going up to a high place. I'm going up to a roof. I'm getting ready to take every limitation. The ceiling imposed over my head is about ready to break through and the heavens are about ready to descend into my life. I got some evidence for you. I got some evidence for you because they went to tearing a hole in the roof and then they started letting him down. But listen to the words of Jesus and hear what he meant. Jesus said, the Bible says about Jesus that when, watch, when he saw there, not your individual self-determination sitting at home getting your own prophecy faith but when he saw their collective faith he said to him pick up your bed and walk and i'm telling you that you are living in a paralyzed community in a paralyzed time but there is a word coming that if you can get up together and get into proper fellowship that there is coming a ceiling breaking anointing there is coming a barrier breaking anointing there is coming a devil casting out anointing and it's about ready to hit you right Get off your phone, uncross your arms, put a praise in your mouth. Your passivity is costing you something. Stir yourself because something is moving all around you. Come on dad, something is moving all around you. Come on mom, something's moving all around you. Come on saints of God, something is moving. Something is shifting and when bishop shifts, I shift when he goes up I go up when I go up you go up because we all going up together yes 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 yeah I'm see see I, I, don't, I don't want you to think I'm just doing gymnastics. I'm trying to get up out of here. I know, you got, I know you're supposed to have lunch with somebody. Just text them. Tell them I'm going to be a little bit late because God is moving something around my life. I'm not just doing gymnastics. The reason I'm saying yes is God made you to be a yes in the earth. And when there's a no in the atmosphere, there has to be a yes in the room. And so I'm telling God, if you want to do it, yes and amen. So I say yes, I say yes, I say yes, I say yes, I say yes. Somebody say yes with me. Yes, yes, 
Yes! 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 Somebody under the sound of my voice uh, have lived through the last two years uh, and all that you heard for two years was no, no, no. Can I do this? No. Can we do that? No. Can we have that? No. Can we have that? No. But I came to tell somebody that when there's a yes in the room, uh, the roof has to come off uh, because God's yes outrules the devil's no every time. Somebody else may have said no. But the Lord says, 